Well, praise the Lord. Amen, amen. Let's just give God a hand clap of praise real quick. Well, it is, it is good to be back. Um, it, last time we were here was, was this time last year, uh, and, and we just had me, Josiah, and Mariah, so I'm, I'm glad that they were able to join me, and Gabe was able to come along this time as well, so I'm happy to have him here. Um, God, is, God has been good to us, and uh, he, especially so in 2023, uh, was a year of, uh, of exponential growth. The Lord moved and he blessed and uh, he's brought the increase there and we're excited to see more of what he has in store for 2024. Um, but I did want to turn to the book of Judges. We're going to just go to chapter 13 and we'll start at verse 19 or rather verse 20. Judges chapter 13 and verse 20. Uh, in, in preparing for this weekend uh, and asking the Lord about, about this church and about this youth and, uh, and what all may be going on, um, I, I asked him several times and I got a couple different answers, but the one that stuck the most uh, was that you guys would be in the fire. And I didn't know what that meant. Um, but but as, as I sought the Lord, I, that came back to me multiple times. I was like, okay, maybe I, I go to Daniel and I go to the, the fiery furnace, or, or maybe we, we find fire falling from heaven. Um, but, but it was actually sitting here with the announcements uh, just a moment ago where, where it was stated that you guys are in the middle of your 40 days of fire. So I believe that the Lord has a word tonight and I pray that he would use me and speak through me. But Judges chapter 13 verse 20 says, For it came to pass when the flame went up toward heaven from off the altar that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. And Manoah and his wife looked on it and fell on their faces to the ground. But the angel of the Lord did no more appear to Manoah and to his wife. Then Manoah knew that it was an angel of the Lord, and he said, because we've seen God, we'll surely die. But his wife talked some sense, and well, if the Lord wanted to kill us, he would have already done it. Um, and verse 24 says, the woman bare a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtal. The key words in these verses, especially in that last verse, is that the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times. He, Samson would grow to become a man of moments. Uh, and in looking into this uh, story and into the story of Samson, uh, I found one thing that stuck out to me is that the only time the altar is mentioned in the story of Samson was right here. Whenever his parents built an altar and offered an offering, and then the Lord blessed them with a child. But, but Samson never built an altar. He never went to an altar. And the Lord had great promise for him as he does for this church and as he does for the Ohio district. I believe that the Lord has some mighty things that he can and desires to do through this youth and these young adults. 
The Lord is raising us up for such a time as this. This is our generation, and this will be an end-time revival. The Lord wants to do some mighty things, and these things are, are all but guaranteed. The promises, they, they come with a, an attached, yes, the Lord has said, I will do this. Behold, I'm doing a new thing in the land. The Lord's made promise after promise, and these things are most certain to come. But my title tonight is to preach on, but first, the altar. If you'd bow your heads in prayer with me. Jesus, there's nobody like you. You are worthy of praise and honor and glory and power. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me, Lord, that you would anoint me to speak your word and that you would move with me, Lord, that you would convict, that you would draw, that you would call, that you would heal, that you would do what you desire to do, that your will would be able to be done without any hindrance, Lord. Let your word go forward and let it move freely, Jesus, that your will would be done today. I pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Samson was a man of moments. And life is full of moments. Uh, it's, most often history is actually told through the perspective of one moment to the next. It's true even in the Bible. It'll, it'll be talking and it says he came upon a man who was there by the pool for 38 years. You know, 38 years got skipped by to get to a moment. Uh, and we tend to remember, like with moments. Uh, and the brain... Uh, looks for things that are worth remembering. It looks for patterns and things that stand out. Things that are new will stand out a lot. Uh, and so we remember life in moments. Uh, much more of life is uh, about the suddenlies rather than the coming to pass. But looking in the Bible, uh, the Bible mentions the phrase came to pass uh, 457 times in the Old and New Testament. And, and the, for the words suddenly, immediately, and straightway only total for a times of 140 occurrences. Much more of life really is the coming to pass rather than the suddenlies. You know, it's, it's, the suddenlies are the most exciting. And, and again, that's what we, we remember. Life's kind of made up of periods of time that we skip over and the single moments that we tell all our friends about over and over. Life's made up of, of these different things, and for those that play sports, it's highlights. You know, I've, I've probably watched hundreds of games since, since I was born. You know, most of them were, were losses for the Redskins, but I've watched hundreds of them, and, and I don't remember probably 99.9% .9 of the plays, but I remember some of the highlights. For those that play video games, it's the trick shot that you remember. Basketball, it's the, it's the half-court shot that gets remembered. The three-fingered catch. Mahomes diving and parallel to the ground. I mean, these are the things that people remember because they're sudden moments. You know, nobody remembers the play before the three-fingered catch. Nobody remembers the, the three uh, shots before the half-court. Nobody remembers before the buzzer beater. But, but we remember the big moment. To this day, I remember uh, all, all my big moments playing football. Uh, you know, the time in elementary school where I intercepted the best quarterback in the class. It was a huge highlight for me. And, and I took that home, and obviously my brain thought it was important enough to remember. And, and uh, I remember times when I've, I've caught the ball, jumped over. I have a friend, uh, David, who is just better than me at football. Uh, but I do remember one time where he dove for me and I spun and he just missed. 
It was a touchdown, and I remember that forever, and I won't let him live it down. And, and now it's definitely going to be at least remembered by the Ohio uh, youth and young adults. So I'm, I'm glad to push that out and make sure it is remembered. Now, I remember times that I've mossed people, you know, jumping over, taking the ball out of their hand. I don't quite remember as many times as that's happened to me, so I'm certain that it's happened more for me than against me. And we remember the moments. We remember the big things. You know, we don't always just remember, you know, our own highlights. I remember when uh, me and my family, we don't, we don't quite uh, play card games a whole lot or board games just us. You know, if extended family comes in or friends over, we do all the time. But I'll always remember when we were playing Uno uh, and, and I don't know, I guess my mom's Bible college days came back or something. But Mariah plus Ford her as she was getting down the last couple cards. And I always remember that she, without hesitation, just shouted, you little freak. It was, it was great. And it's, it's maternally memorized by my brain that those were the three words that my mom used when playing Uno. And I don't think we've played since. We also remember the, the, the low lights, you know, not just the good parts, but the bad parts. I don't remember why I was running in the backyard, but, but I remember the lightning rod that was sticking out of the ground that found my knee as I fell. I remember going to the hospital and the stitches for that. I, I don't quite remember what I was doing leaning on the fence, but I had my hands on the fence and, and a wasp lands on my arm. And I was like seven or something. I thought, I didn't know a difference between bees and wasps. So in my very, I, I would say proud of myself for being a seven-year-old and calm, I just Sat there and said, yeah, I'll just let it fly away and I'll be fine. But then it stung me and I never forgot that wasp because I slapped it so hard and so quickly. And, uh, and I remember the difference between bees and wasps. We remember the highlights and the lowlights and, and these things are, are certainly great. Life is full of these great moments, full of laughter and, and love and life and adrenaline and excitement. Life's full of these moments, and it's, it's promised to be full of these moments. But it's especially true with our generation that we can be obsessed with the moment. We can be chasing the highlights without the process. And, and it, it's, it's so true that, that the, our world, especially in America, is it's so geared towards a moment. Instagram reels and, and TikTok and YouTube shorts, and they're, they're there to be seven seconds long and no more because it's just enough to get your attention, give you some sort of kick, some sort of, oh, look at that cute dog or something of the sorts, and, and then it's gone. And there's no attachment to the moment. It's a freely given high of, of dopamine or of some entertainment. These things are, are, are supernormal events is, is sometimes what they're referred to as. Supernormal meaning anything that surpasses the normal, that, that makes the normal look, look much less than. You know, supernormal events, can, it, like in food, is added sugar and salt, which we are kings of in America. And uh, I thank God for it at times. But, but we, these are super normal events. This is not found in history. It's not found in, in nature. And so we add these things, new relationships, you know, adrenaline, sometimes bigger movies, brighter colors, louder sounds, something more attaching, something more gut-wrenching, something more perverse, something that just grabs the attention a little bit more, something that would draw in. Life's suddenlies, however, 
are proven to be empty without the coming to pass. The world offers empty suddenlies in everything. It's full of empty suddenlies. Drugs and alcohol promise a quick high with a, with a quick to follow low. Pornography and, and fornication and, and being promiscuous, these things are of the world because they offer an immediate gratification with a delayed price to pay. Ecclesiastes says that because judgment is delayed, it is fully set in the hearts of men to do evil. These things of the world, they offer such, such quick, such quick uh, reward with such costly requirement. Things like even a credit card is a great, great little play on human nature. Without human nature, the idea of the credit card doesn't work. They wouldn't make money. They'd make marginal profit, but it, it would not be enough to start the business. But human nature allows that, that people will spend their ways into debt and spend their way into poverty seeking an answer from a thing because they saw it as the, the symptom of someone that was rich. So they said, well, the rich seem like they've got it and they have this, so I'm going to buy this, so I'll be like them. But these Empty suddenlies offer a quick fix, and they offer a lot in the front. Everything of value is in the front, and everything it requires is in the back. So much so that that, that becomes the very definition of wisdom is to be able to tell the whole price beyond the moment. So the fool becomes wise when he learns to flee these things and, and pursue what the bigger picture says will matter. We want the finish line without the race. We want the things of God without God. We, we can pursue some things, that, and it's, it's great to identify it in the world, but we would be wrong to think that it's just in the world. We'd be wrong to think that the world we live in and the conditioning it gives us what does not affect the way we view God. And we see the things of God and we see the miraculous things of God and we see the voice of God and with the glory of God. We see the mighty moves of God and we desire those things and it's good that we do. But our hunger is numbed because of the price required. And we're so used to getting what we want on the immediate side that we are not willing to go through the process. We can be so caught up in the kingdom of God that, that we forget to pursue God. We can be so caught up in, Lord, I just want to get there. And, and we love the one-day fixes. We love the overnight solutions. We love the one moment and it's done. And don't get me wrong, the Lord operates in moments. Most of the suddenlies come in the miracles. The suddenlies come on the day of Pentecost. The suddenlies come when the Lord moves in suddenly. But it's the obsession with the suddenly that makes it impossible for anything to come to pass. It's the obsession with the highlight that prevents it from ever happening. So many times, so many, many more people have the goal to win. Every single team in the NFL or in college football has the goal to win the championship. There's, between the winners and the losers, they all have the same goal. 
They all had their eyes on the prize. They're, they're, the difference between the winners and the losers is not what they wanted. It's not what they desired. It's not that the, the losers just didn't really want it. In fact, you know, it's like they didn't want enough. you got to want it more. Well, the truth of the matter is you've got to see it more. You've got, you've got to see the price required. And we've got to walk through a process. Like Israel going through the wilderness, the promised land seemed so great from Egypt. But the walk to the promised land killed a generation of hope. It killed a generation that would have entered in if they had not lost sight of the promised land. They had, they had their obsession with the promise that any step in the wilderness would kill. And they had an obsession with the promise that it would, it would take something, a whole new generation born in the wilderness that didn't know the comforts of Egypt to really go into the promised land. One generation was born in Egypt and fine with the wilderness. And another generation was born in the wilderness and hungry for the promised land. It was Joshua and Caleb that stayed behind and said, I want the Lord. I want, I want to see the promise. They, they weren't easily swayed by a price and the process is just as necessary as the moment if faith is required in a moment it much more so is required in the process the process defines the results there are times when when people will get so into the results that they'll leave behind they'll take any process you know, money, the way you get it matters. If you rob somebody, you've got more problems than you did before. If you, if you get it illegally, you've got more problems than you did before. If you get it through monopoly, you've got, you've got nothing. You, you, you had nothing. You, you set your eyes on a false prize. So the process defines the results. In friendships, the process defines the results. I remember my first friend in first grade, we sat next to each other, and I looked at him, and I said, you want to be friends? He said, yeah. And that was it. And we were friends for first grade, and that was about it. But, but unless a friendship is built on something, it becomes pretty hollow. Houses, I'd prefer there to be a process for the house I live in. I don't want a house built in a day. As much as, as nice as that sounds, oh, I'll build you a house in one day, my, my, the alarm bells start going off. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm a little worried about that house. Has it, has it been inspected? Has it been tried? Has it gone through the, the tests? Has it gone through trials? Has it withstood a storm yet? The process matters. A marriage that, that you don't know the person before you get into and you don't know if God has approved of it before the marriage happens, the best part about that marriage is the wedding. And that's a big moment. Everybody remembers the wedding. Everybody should remember the wedding. But everybody remembers the wedding. Everybody remembers the proposal, the big moments. But, but so much so we see in the world as, as divorce rates skyrocket and as obsessions with the moment grow, it, it becomes lost on them. The, the process defines the result. And the wedding is not enough without a marriage. The, the, the way you make the money matters. The, the way you pursue God matters. The process defines the results. And it defines the identity of those that get the results. The person that gets their money through begging is a beggar. 
The person that makes their money through gambling is a gambler. The person that makes their money through working is a worker. So the process defines your identity. It wasn't simply that, that Israel made it to the promised land, but, but they, had, they were the ones that went through the Red Sea. They, they were the ones that, that were able to make it through the wilderness and, and cross over the Jordan. They were the ones that slew their enemies. They were the ones led by a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. It was the process that defined the results. So why do we do the same things to God that we would not want ourselves? We don't want a one-day house. We don't want a one-day relationship. We don't want a one-day friendship. We don't, we don't want a one-day education. As, as nice as that might be, it wouldn't be of much worth. We need to care more about the relationship with God and to fall in love with God, and he'll bring these things to pass. It, Matthew chapter 6 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. We need the process. Samson was a man who had promise, and he had potential, and he had purpose, but he had no process. Samson was a man born with strength, born into a family that was able to build an altar. He was born into a family that said, you've got a purpose. He was born into a family that heard from God, but he never built an altar. And we want the fire to fall, but before the fire falls, the altar's got to be built. Before, before a blessing can be given, so first let me offer something. First let, let me build the altar. We want, we want more fire, but we need bigger altars. We, we want more miracles, but, but we need to know the miracle worker. We love the moment, but we, we somehow skip by the God that gives the moment. Acts chapter 2 means nothing without being sent to the upper room, without, without the gospels, without walking to Jesus, without the promise. Suddenly comes empty without coming to pass. Samson goes down and, and he sees temptation after temptation, falls into trap after trap. Multiple women, multiple times, multiple trials that, that he felt secure in his promise. But there was no process. There was no altar. The altar is the foundation of relationship with God. The tabernacle is the reason the altar was first. There's a reason why we're married at the altar. Isn't that an interesting thing? I mean, if you took this back, let's say 4,000 years ago, and said, let's go get married at the altar, you know, that's the place where, you know, they just killed the last sheep or the goat or the ram. Something just died there. They said, let's go back to the altar. The altar is a place of death. It's true. And we get familiar with that. But... It's not simply a place of death for the purpose of death. It's not so we can come to the altar and something simply die. But the altar is a place of covenant. See, sacrifice is required on an altar because, because it's saying that I'm willing to pay a price. 
He says, I, I know that walking with God's not going not gonna to be the, always the best things. It's not always going to be where I want it to be, but, but I come to the altar. And it's a place of covenant. And it's a place of, of sacrifice. I say, Lord, I want this covenant. I want these promises. I want this calling. Sometimes we, we talk ourselves out of what we really want. Because it seems too hard to get. So many times, people will settle for poverty because wealth seems too hard. People will settle for empty, quick relationships that deal with loneliness rather than stronger relationships that bring love. People want the quick things, but they don't really want the quick things. We know that the bondage that people are in of the people that give themselves to these moments. We see the bondage of those that give themselves to drugs. We see the bondage of those that give themselves to, to alcohol and those that give themselves to sin and to the flesh. It's not really what they want. I know more, I've, I've known of several doctors that smoke. They know the consequences better than anybody else. So why would they do it? Why would they stay in a place that is killing them slowly rather than pay the price for life everlasting? It's this, it's this amazing flip of the, the logic of our flesh. The, the flesh wants something now and, and, and whatever comes later will deal with it. But, but the Lord promises life everlasting. The best part about heaven, maybe the, highlight, the first highlight of heaven is going to be going up and seeing him. But the best part about heaven is that it's forever. The best part, best part about heaven is that when I wake up in the morning, I'm still there. The best part about heaven is that it's no longer separated. It, it's better than a moment. It, it, it's, it already came to pass, and I'm living in it. That the, the way that God works is in the process. The way that God works is in the wilderness because, because a hunger is required to pay the price. People will give up what they want because, because they see the price. And until that hunger begins to grow, until the altar is big enough, they'll, they'll never be able to handle a fire. A fire without an altar burns out quick. It's a wildfire. It goes from here to there, and it's out the door. It comes. It's excited. What a moment. And then it's over. It's the stony ground the Lord spoke of. Those that are come up, shoot up quickly. We can be caught up in a moment when we should be caught up with God. We can be caught up in small things, things that we don't even want. Nobody wants to live in bondage. They'll make excuses. They'll, they'll, they'll do anything to admit that they don't have what they want. People say, oh, I'm fine. You're not fine. We all know it, but 
you know, I'm fine, so you're fine. <laughs> we all settle for, for things that are of lower value because they're of lower price. We take the things that are lower because they're easier to reach for. We get obsessed with the big moment, and, and when the moment doesn't come, I'm going back to Egypt. You know, I'm going back to whatever. I don't know. It's not working out. We need to, we need to be more about God than we are about the things of God, the big shiny things of God. We need to be, to be more about the altar. 1 Kings chapter 18 tells the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And the prophets of Baal did everything they could to create a moment. They did everything they could to, to cause the fire. Elijah said unto all the people, in verse 30, come near to me, and all the people came near, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah spent all his time on his altar, put 12 stones, said get the water, it's going on the altar, in the middle of a drought, get the water, it's going on the altar. The people of Baal spent all their time on the prayer and on the big moment and on causing the fire. Elijah spent his time building the altar and it made room for the fire to fall. If you'd stand with me. The Bible talks of Joshua as he, as, as the, or talks of the people of Israel as Moses goes into the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord falls and all the people outside the tabernacle worship and praise him and, and do all these extra things and that they're, they're excited about the moment. Moses went in, they stayed out. They got the moment, but Moses got the relationship. They got the excitement, but Moses got to see his face. And the Bible says that Joshua stayed back. He stayed at the tabernacle. He said, yeah, the moment was great. But I want something deeper than that. I've got a hunger for something a little bit more than a moment. I want to find out about this God. I want to meet the God that brings the glory. I, 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 love, the, I love the big moment, Lord, but I want, I want an altar. I want, to, I want to see your face, oh God. You'd come to the front with me. Jesus, I want to see you. I don't want just the big moment. Lord, I've tried that. I, I've gone up and down and, and up and down and up and down and uh, Lord, I just that's going to kill me. I can't, I can't live a life waiting on the next up. 
hoping that it comes in time to save me. But Lord, I want to I wanna know the Savior. I want to know the God that moves, not just what it feels like to have a move. I want to know you. Jesus, I desire your face. You seek the Lord. Say, Lord, I, I want to build an altar. Lord, I've seen the highlights. I've known the Sunday nights and the Sunday mornings. I've known the conferences. I've known the big moments. I've been there for that. But Lord, how do I get there where I take it with me? How do I get to a point where where I'm walking in the glory? Jesus I don't want just the Red Sea, but Lord, I, I want the pillar of fire. Lord, I don't, I don't want just the big moment, but I desire you.